0: Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. On this show, we're sorting the seeds of content we allow into the garden beds of our minds, understanding that what you consume blooms. We've all heard that you are what you eat, but in turn, you are what you speak. How many original thoughts have you had this week? No judgment here. In fact, we're all suffering from regurgitating what we hear and what we read, adopting it as our own thoughts and opinions. It turns out that most of our thoughts may not actually be original to us. This phenomenon is known as cryptomnesia, and it occurs when our brains mistakenly convince us that an idea or thought is our own creation when, in reality, we've encountered it before and forgotten about it. With that in mind, what type of content are you consuming? And how is that altering your mindset and overall health and well-being? It might be time to turn the soil over, pull out the toxic biparticles, and add some organic matter. You're in charge of what takes root— what you produce, and what you harvest. But it doesn't always feel like that. Sometimes it feels like we're on a little life raft in a sea of unwanted content full of strong opinions, hostile points of view, emotional guilt trips, and a relentless call to action. No wonder more and more are choosing to just check out versus trying to monitor the constant stream of chaos. There has to be a happy medium, Patrick Allen shares a reminder to protect your mind as much as you protect your body found at lifehacker.com. Let's dip a toe into the pool of stoic wisdom, using its waters to reflect on and improve our lives. This comes from Epictetus, an Enki Ridian. He asks why we don't value our mind's protection the same as our bodies. If a person gave your body to any stranger he met on his way, you would certainly be angry. And do you feel no shame in handing over your own mind to be confused and mystified by anyone who happens to verbally attack you? What does that mean? Well, this question that Epictetus asks is in the form of a mini thought experiment. If you were walking along and somebody took your body and did whatever they liked with it, you'd be angry right? So you do your best to keep people from touching or grabbing or moving your body unless you authorize it. But for some reason, we don't usually exercise such stalwart defenses when it comes to our own minds. We hand our minds over to anyone and anything that comes along, be it an advertisement, a politician, a social media post, the news, Or just a stranger who wants to put us down and disrupt our day? Doesn't that bother you? There are so many things out there that distract us, confuse us, make us doubt ourselves, get us angry, and push us in directions we never intended to go. This is because we let it happen. We choose to let those things in and affect us, and this is the unshakable basis of Stoicism itself. Granted, it's not easy to just block everything out. We have to battle against our own instincts and biology to do that. Still, we can all stand to defend our own minds a bit more. Every day, think about ways you can guard your inner self from the never-ending onslaught of persuasion. Learn to recognize what an attack on your mind looks like, from something as small as a superfluous distraction to something bigger like a villainous acquaintance. And once a day, say to yourself, no, I'm not letting this in. The same way you'd slap away an unwanted hand trying to grab your body, slap away the incursion on your mind. Your body and mind are the only two things you'll always own as long as you're alive and coherent. No matter what, you always need both as they're your two most valuable possessions. Why not defend them equally? What about possessions? How fiercely do you protect the material things in your life? I bet you don't hand your car keys over easily or even give your family members the passwords to your computer? What about your house and letting people stay over or camp out? Oh, but our minds. Those are open and vulnerable to anyone at any time. Even if you feel like your walls are up and you aren't easily swayed, well then, you have another challenge we need to unpack. Remember, we're trying to find a healthy balance. We want to be open and willing to explore new ideas without being overwhelmed and coerced into one line of thinking that doesn't align with our own core values. Raise your hand if you've recognized your need for balance. A recent trend people are using to protect their minds is to stop watching the news limit screen time, and unplug technology. Opting for intentionally consuming positive content to offset the negative and protect their mental health. Caitlin Harper shares how media consumption impacts your mental health and happiness found at mywellbeing.com. If you ask me whether I love or hate social media and the internet, I'd probably just glare at you. Of course I love the internet. I've loved it since the first time I dialed up and read every available article on AOL Kids and hit a wall since content creation back then had a limit. I also absolutely despise it, Caitlin said. In just five minutes, I can read the details of the concurrent global genocides that are taking place, check on the current worldwide health toll and read 35 best-selling authors under 35 list and laminate on the fact that my time has passed and delete a few creepy messages from men on LinkedIn. Oh, and Instagram and probably Facebook if I ever logged in anymore. Three quarters of the public uses some type of social media and roughly three quarters of Facebook users and around six in 10 Instagram users visit these sites at least once a day. We know that having a strong social network contributes to positive mental health and well-being, and social media and the internet have done so much to help overcome the barriers of time and distance. I think it's a good thing that I know about what's going on in Syria, Sudan, and more, but it's all about balance. All of this media consumption probably isn't good for us, Many of us know that social media usage activates the brain's reward center by releasing dopamine. But part of the unhealthy cycle is that we keep coming back to social media even though it doesn't make us feel very good in the long run. We're elated when we see a like or notification and get a dopamine hit, but the opposite happens as well. Like a drug, we think getting a fix will help, but it actually makes us feel worse which comes down to an error in our ability to predict our own response, what's known as a forecasting error. We continue to think social media is going to make us feel good, and it often doesn't. While we might expect social media to make us feel good, are any of us expecting that from the news anymore? Media exposure during the 24-7 news cycle can increase perceptions of threat and activate the fight-or-flight response, producing stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline. This can lead to subsequent physical and mental health problems like anxiety, depression, fatigue, and loss of sleep. In one study, participants who watched just 14 minutes of negative news showed increases in both anxious and sad moods, and also showed a significant increase in the tendency to catastrophize a personal worry. When it comes to the news, overthinking or obsessing over negative events, such as continual preoccupation with tracking the coronavirus, won't produce new information, but it can detrimentally infect your entire outlook. Negative rumination cyclically unearths new anxieties and fears, and is associated with things like depression and PTSD. It also affects our problem-solving abilities, motivation, and interpersonal relationships. Of course, we want to stay educated and informed, but too much news can be bad for our mental health. As the concept of negative bias explains, the human brain is wired to pay attention to information that scares or unsettles us. Historically, this has been a good thing. We're programmed to detect threats instead of overlooking them. But it goes overboard in our news consumption. Media is designed to keep you engaged, which is why it's so hard to look away. Have you ever opened an app just to check and looked up to find out an hour or more has gone by? Do you find yourself running through the app cycle, habitually checking one app after another after another on your phone every time you look at it? Well, guess what? There's a reason. App and platform technologies are designed to be immersive, producing flow while using a certain app. It is well known that flow goes along with a feeling of time distortion And this is exactly what many developers of social media apps aim to achieve. A person being so immersed that they forget all about time and space while using the platform or app. Every single part of an app or website is engineered to keep you engaged. From the size, shape, and color of the buttons, to the links of videos, to the size of text and images. This is before you even start to think about the content. Many of us are savvy enough by now to spot a clickbait headline from a mile away. But so much more goes into making us watch and read and click than we even knew. And it's not just apps. If you watch reality TV and find yourself itching to get through a commercial break or to the next episode, you might notice that news programs employ similar tactics to keep you hooked. Scripts like Murder Hornets just angry bees or out to kill your entire family, tune in tonight to find out. Or even something as simple as, we'll be back with more after the break, are designed to keep you watching. More than half of Americans say the news causes them stress, and many report feeling anxiety, fatigue, or sleep loss as a result. Yet one in 10 adults check the news every hour and fully 20% of Americans report constantly monitoring their social media feeds. If you see yourself in those stats, you're not alone. So how much is too much media consumption? Well, is it helping you or hurting you? The many interruptions due to high-frequency smartphone use, and the many daily incoming messages fragmenting everyday life could reduce productivity at work and lower a person's well-being. Research strongly suggests that limiting social media use to approximately 30 minutes per day may lead to significant improvements in well-being. 30 minutes? That might sound like a lot to some people, but just anecdotally, every single person, who was asked about their media consumption vastly underestimates the amount of time they spend on social media. And that's before they even start talking about news media consumption. So, how do you decrease your media consumption? And do you even want to? It's unlikely that most of us will quit social media completely, and a lot of us can't. But as long as we're mindful users, Routine use may not in itself be the problem. Ask yourself why, when, and how you're interacting with the platform or consuming the media. Self-awareness is key. Most of us are mindless users who are guided by the engineering of the platform. The first step is to become mindful. Are you passively observing, actively posting, or purposefully connecting on social media? Do you get the information you need or want and then log off, or are you scrolling just to scroll? Are you using social media to kill time or for a numbing effect? Are you reading or watching positive news stories along with the negative? I say I have to use the internet for work, so does that mean I just get to sit on the internet all day doing whatever pops up? No. I try to make a plan, set timers, and eliminate distractions when I'm working. And if I'm not working, I keep my phone in another room. How about curate your feed? Unfollow sources that consistently make you upset or don't provide quality information. Use settings in the app to restrict the flow of information. Seek out good news. While you should vary your sources to make sure you're not operating in a bubble, all sources are not created equal. It's about quality, not quantity. You should subscribe to newsletters or follow accounts that share a range of information so you can maximize the amount of information you're getting for a shorter period of exposure time. When it comes to current events and public health, choose a few trusted sources for guidance. Be aware of the effects the media consumption has on you. Going back to self-awareness, ask yourself, does this impact my self-esteem or increase my imposter syndrome? Am I constantly comparing myself to others? Does this trigger my anxiety or depression? Am I stressed while I'm consuming this media? And does that feeling stay with me when I move on to my next activity? Do I worry about things that are out of my control? Would I be happier or more fulfilled if I was doing something else right now, like reading, talking to a friend, or playing with a pet? Decide which action or actions you're going to take to reduce your media consumption. This might be one of the most important steps, the decision of which tactic is going to work best for you. Many of us know the options we have to reduce our media consumption, like use an app to track how much time you spend on social or news media apps, leave your phone in another room when you go to bed, remove apps from your phone. Disable notifications. And get this, turn your phone off. Some people choose to do social media detoxes, which is great. Simply not using social media is not an option for many people. So what would work for you? Caitlin said, I typically spend one day a week away. It wasn't a hard and fast rule. I just found myself naturally not using my phone very much on Saturdays. Twitter makes me sad, so I deleted the app from my phone and end up only checking in a few times a day on my desktop. Figure out which actions will actually work for you and just try a few out. Remove the trigger and replace it with a different behavior. Caitlin said, recently I was listening to a panel of people who were all following the election closely for their jobs. Someone asked them if they were ready to be glued to their televisions and phones on election day. Not one of them said yes. At that point, our work is done, one participant said. Tracking every moment won't do anything. They all had plans in place for election day, from hiking to reading to learning a video game with their children. They could have been glued to their smartphones, of course, but they made a plan to replace the urge to scroll with a different behavior. What's your favorite thing to do? can you do that instead of checking in on social media with the right balance you can use the power of social and news media for good and take care of your mental health and well-being at the same time my husband is always taking a social media detox when his feed fills up with too much negativity Strong political opinions, bashing, complaining, and even downright hateful posts. I've always been confused by this because my feed is usually full of puppies, kittens, babies, fashion, and encouragement. What's the difference? What you seek, you shall find. And the social media algorithms know this. So what you click on and consume blooms. Want to fill your feed with positives? Seek it out. Remember, your feed is comprised of more of your daily activity. Start looking for inspiring posts or pages. Like, share, set a precedence. If you come across something shocking or purely gossip, pass it by and for goodness sake, don't share it. Be a thermostat versus a thermometer. A thermometer just reports the current temperature, but a thermostat adjusts it. So are you ready to change your content diet? Over at Orangenebula.com, I found how mindful content consumption feeds the brain. The author said, When I was growing up, my content consumption was heavily monitored. Our TV was parked on the Discovery Channel, where I'd binge beyond 2000. We had seemingly only two expectations to this. There was the 30-minute window where I'd watch Sailor Moon, and Wednesday nights the entire family would watch World Poker Tournaments while eating pizza. And we referred to this as quality family time. When the Animal Planet channel launched, we were thrilled that our viewing options dramatically increased. Despite my meager viewing options, I'm proud of the results of these restrictions. It caused me to really chase knowledge. I'm constantly wondering about connections, like how all of these unconnected ancient cultures create pyramids. While my experience inspired me to always ask questions, how does modern media consumption affect us? Technology gives the world the ability to learn nearly anything instantly, but what does this connectivity to the world's information do to our mental health? On the whole, are we better plugged in and glued to the screens? What does all of this content do to our creativity? If we're struggling with feeling alone and down, what can we do to turn things around? Or are we decidedly bound to be more isolated and less creative than the previous generations? Before really diving in, know that I'm going to discuss broad issues that affect most of us. As a member of the Orange Nebula flight crew, I firmly believe I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul, to borrow from the words of William Ernest Henley. Before we're truly able to channel the content we consume to feed our passions and creativity, we need to analyze the largest contributors to our days and study whether or not we've given too much real estate to joy thieves. The author says, now that I'm an adult, I have complete control of the information I allow in my head, and this greatly impacts me. I'm not alone. Now news cycles run 24 hours. It's not the hour and a half of local news and an hour of national news in the evenings and what we glean from the paper. Now we're inundated with media dumping on us nonstop. An article from Time says more than half of Americans say the news causes them stress and many report feeling anxiety, fatigue, or sleep loss as a result. Despite this negative impact, 20% of Americans admit to constantly tracking the news, whether outright looking for it or seeing headlines while on social media. The study states one out of every five Americans is constantly tuned in to the news. Neuroscience tells us our brains are programmed to latch on to negative news. Throughout the history of man, knowing all the awful things happened allowed us to avoid these things and survive. There are major problems with this bombardment of constantly taking in news. We compulsively track a story that has our attention, only to have the story fizzle out and get replaced with another equally compelling segment. Or worse, we become numb to the heartbreaking events. At this point... Many are deadened to the human costs of the news story and only choose to react emotionally if the events hit this level of unfathomable. Both are on opposite ends of a spectrum that all of us are on. Forbes reports that comparing ourselves against people causes us to feel worse This isn't limited to seeing people we view are more successful, attractive, or happier than we are. It even affects us if we think we are superior in some way. Both of these sources of negativity cause our bodies to release stress hormones, again, like cortisol. Aside from causing our bodies to retain fat, this hormone is linked to inflammation, heart disease, and more. We spend Hours staring at our phones, consuming all this content that steals our joy and robs us of energy we could harness to create things that would improve us and even the world around us. Why is that? At the risk of parroting my grandmother and chanting garbage in, garbage out, I'm not going to tell you to only pay attention to Shark Week. But there are lots of ways we can practice mindfulness as we consume content. Just like I tracked how screen time interfered with my productivity and ability to be present with my family and coworkers. Acknowledge when you feel the same twinge of emotions crop up. If your mental health is taking a hit from stress in your life, mitigate the damage by focusing on adding positive aspects to your life try to interrupt the negative feedback loops. The toughest part of what we're proposing is, number one, acknowledging the emotions we feel in the moment, and two, immediately doing something with those emotions. The author said, a couple of years ago, I attended an emotional first aid seminar put on by the amazing local chapter of the Trauma Intervention Program. The instructor told us how our brains process negative information And it stuck with me. She recalled being at a firehouse after the crew came back from a call. One firefighter was particularly distraught and told her he wished she had been there that day before when they witnessed something pretty traumatic. He relayed the entire event and stopped to stare at the ground. Then what happened? She pressed. We came back to the firehouse. Then what happened? We got cleaned up and made dinner, he continued. And then what happened, she repeated. She continued asking the same question until one annoyed firefighter got to the part where he remembered going to sleep. Once he got to that point in the story, she asked him to do the same exercise every time his brain starts to dwell on that story. Having worked in trauma for her entire career, she sees the need to remind the brain that one event is not the entire story that stressful time is part of a larger story. We need to gently nudge our brains to tell us the whole story to avoid us getting caught in the ruts of awful narratives. So pulling this back to developing bad repeating loops in our own daily life, we need to flag those, break that train of thought, and give our minds better content. Our content consumption could include a puppy video in a pinch, but we might be better served to connect with a person and remind ourselves our world is more than the content we get from a screen. We all get the same number of hours every single day. How we spend that time impacts our brains, families, and lives. Sure, we could get distracted and accidentally binge an entire season of Cold Case Files while playing solitaire on our phones, or we can recognize how spending our time impacts our thoughts And take control ultimately this level of attention to what we're doing and the content we're consuming will feed our minds and give us greater mental health hopefully you'll be able to take this knowledge and share it with others and enrich your world I recently thought about the dangers of summarizing Have you ever heard a snippet of something that became today's headline and talk track? We're all guilty of surfing content and making decisions with limited information. Gone are the days of case studies and abstracts. They've been replaced by Google headlines and online reviews. One star and five star, rarely anything in between. No one has time for that type of deep dive. With that in mind, I went to CNN to see what my impression of the world would be if I stuck to the headlines. Dark and sinister rhetoric drenches right-wing media amid Trump indictments. North Carolina Congresswoman suffered broken bones in serious car accident. Flood emergencies force evacuations and water rescue across the South. The cancer drug shortage is a disgrace. California judge arrested in the fatal shooting of his wife. A black man's drug conviction has been vacated after a white judge said the man looks like a criminal. A Florida man is charged with the murder and the death of his wife, whose remains were found in suitcases. Officials worry Putin is counting on the U.S. 2024 election to remove one of Ukraine's top supporters. Oy. I see why people are unplugging. I know I've said this before, but it bears repeating. I had a therapist who told me to stop the story where the facts end. Think about that for a minute. No filling in the blanks with what you think might've happened or what you assume is going to happen next, and no generalizing. If you don't know it, then you don't have the facts. After that list, it's time to shift to mind preservation. Elizabeth Herman asks, Want to preserve your peace of mind? Well, there are eight tips to protect mind and body, and this is found at artofliving.org. Did anyone teach you to protect your own mind? There are all kinds of things in our lives that can cause harm to our peace of mind sedentary lifestyles, overuse of technology, peer pressure, junk food diets, abuse, addiction, etc. And these are just a few examples. With all of these damaging avenues around us, it makes sense to have a strategy for keeping our mind healthy and in good shape, the same way we would have plans for taking care of our body. So here are 8 different tips. Be in nature. Research shows that 20 minutes in nature on a regular basis can significantly lower your stress hormone, cortisol, thus calming your mind and bringing you in touch with your inner peace. Doctors prescribe time outdoors in natural areas increasingly for both physical and mental health. Try kicking off your shoes and doing a little earthing while you're at it. Help others. When you contribute to others' well-being, Your mind feels safer and sounder because you've given yourself a way to be generous and you've given them a reason to express gratitude towards you. You make sure that there's something in your day that's been worthwhile. This keeps your mind on an upward trajectory rather than a downward spiral. Forgive, not just the mistakes of others, but your own mistakes happen, not necessarily with bad intentions. And whatever intentions there may have been, You can help yourself by forgiving yourself and others for whatever hurtful happenings occur in life. Forgiveness frees your mind of stress by releasing the past feelings caused by the unavoidable errors that human beings make. And forgiveness happens naturally and easily when we drop our grudges. The moment the feelings of grudge falls, forgiveness has already happened. How about breathe? The rhythm of your breath has an impact on the state of your mind, and your mind also affects how you breathe. When we're agitated, you breathe faster, and when you're calm, you breathe more slowly. Learning a few simple breathing techniques can help you control how your mind is working at any given time. If you start to get upset, you can slow your breathing for quieter thoughts and control over fears and anxiety. Partake in Wisdom Sources of timeless wisdom are easy to find. Reminding yourself consistently by reading and listening to quotes, essays, stories, and talks can help you transcend daily dramas that tax the mind. When mundane, ridiculous problems come up, the content that shifts and uplifts the mind and transcends petty roadblocks helps with maintaining sanity. Wisdom helps you sail on and escape the doldrums of life. Understand the bigger focus. Humans can't control events since bigger forces are often at work in the world. People of less wisdom see others' mistakes as big and their own as small. People of little more wisdom see others' mistakes as small and their own as big. People of great wisdom see the mistake as neither theirs nor the others. They see the mistake as a happening which nobody could control. This wisdom helps protect our minds from blame, guilt, and the escalation of fighting over mistakes. Write privately for self-expression. Vocalizing what's troubling you to others may not always be appropriate, but the ability to describe your own feelings has value in itself. If you say what's on your mind privately in the context of a journal or diary, you can go back and revisit it and see how writing it down helped to shift your mental energy away from this useless rumination. Once the experiences are on paper, you're more likely to be able to distance your mind from them, protecting yourself from exhausting, racing thoughts about some difficult happenings. Meditate. The human mind benefits enormously from the opportunity to rest and relax. Any number of meditation techniques can bring rejuvenation and energy back to your life. Only a few minutes a day can mean the difference between pressures overtaking you and you being empowered to handle any challenge or issue with confidence and grace. Exercise. The state of your body affects the state of your mind and vice versa. Yoga can integrate physical exercise with mental and spiritual health to strengthen your faculties and keep you fit in every way possible. Unhealthy habits are hard to break because even though they aren't the best for us, they are seeing us through something or diverting our attention away from something else. And the thought of breaking them Feels like the universe is taking something away from us, and now we have less. Of course that isn't true. And in fact, a good media cleanse doesn't have to be forever. For all my black and white thinkers out there, remember, it's not all or nothing here. We're striving for a healthy balance. Why don't you adopt the mindset that you're changing your relationship with whatever you're trying to avoid, downgrade, or eliminate from your daily content habit? This might not feel as final and a little more flexible. It's about becoming self-aware of what you're doing and how it's impacting your daily life. On the Minimalist YouTube channel, I found how do I consume media more intentionally? So let's take a listen. Hey
1: there, welcome back to Living Room Conversations. I'm Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm
2: Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are The Minimalists.
1: And we're answering your questions. Today's question Hmm. is from Julia. Julia says, I have trouble keeping good habits and I keep falling back into consuming media that doesn't really interest me or help me in any way. How can I be more mindful about my media
2: Consumption. Mm, well, so
1: maybe if I were to rephrase it, I would say, "How do I consume less media?" Yeah. That, that that's one way to to think about it. But also, how do I how, how do I become more mindful?
2: Man, it sounds like the the media and the marketing is really working on this person ah, because that's the urgency. Their, yeah, their whole job is to aggregate eyeballs, and they they want to keep you addicted. Mm-hmm. They want to keep you going down the rabbit
1: hole because the more they can do that, the more they're going to get your attention. And, and that's and why that's what they're after. That's why there's always the, the breaking news, right? Mm-hmm. it's constantly you turn on any of these news channels now, there's always some sort of breaking news, but if if news is always breaking, then it's broken. yeah and it also it really dilutes the real breaking news when when something is urgent, it, because if everything is urgent, then nothing is urgent, yeah. And, and the truth is, is that sometimes there is actual breaking news. Sometimes there is something urgent. And so I don't know what kind of media that Julia is talking about. Maybe she is talking about news media. Yeah. She could be talking about social media as mm. well. Could just be talking about media in general, so multimedia. So whether that is YouTube, you're watching this on, on YouTube, or you are talking about television, you know, watching Netflix or or any of these other platforms, this is, these are all forms of media. none mm-hmm. of them are inherently bad or evil on their own. However, if they're getting in the way, and as, as she said, uh, Julia said, it's, it doesn't really interest me. So that's one big warning sign. Right. Right? You, walk, you, you spend 45 minutes on, on Instagram and you walk yeah. away afterwards and say, what did I just do with those 45 minutes of my yeah. time? So it doesn't really interest her. Yeah. But, it, but it's an easy pacifier. It's like you
2: get into, like when it comes to social media, you can get into that Bermuda triangle of Instagram, mm-hmm. Twitter, Facebook. Right. And then you've got all the updates. You're like, well, it's been five minutes. I'll go back to Instagram, see if
1: there's any more updates. And then you're five hours Int- later, you're drooling on yourself. Right.
2: And it's not even that interesting, but it is, this, uh, it is this way that we get these little dopamine hits. Right. I mean, they've done studies that show um, checking social media is very much like gambling. You pull your phone out, you get the mm-hmm. rush of, like, oh, did someone try to get a hold of me? And then if you get a notification, ding, 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 oh, I got a notification. I got this many likes. Right. And then you put it back in your pocket, and then five minutes later, you reach your phone. Did someone send me a notification? Oh, no one sent me a notification. Uh. So it actually keeps you on this roller coaster of checking for notifications. But the same can be said about the news outlets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember when I was very much into uh, looking at the, the, the news. I would get into the Bermuda Triangle of, you know, CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, Breitbart, and I would just go from uh, different websites uh, to website to see what new information was out there. And I really had to ask myself, like, what am I looking for? What am I really after? Mm. Yes, I want to know what's going on with the current events, but there's really no reason for me to stay glued to the news media specifically because there's really – I never saw – News that I was like, oh, thank God, I just learned about that right now. If there was some cra- kind of crazy n- major disaster, hey, I'm gonna hear about that some other some other way probably before I even. Someone's see- gonna tell you about right, it, right? Exactly. And then at that point, then maybe you know, if there's a national disaster, then I'll look for instructions on what to do, mm-hmm. so forth and so on. But but that's such a uh, that's such an exception to the rule. We mm-hmm. we for all intents and purposes, like we don't have to know what's going on in real time. That is a uh, it's a desire that the media certainly plays on or social media plays on. And if you allow yourself to fall in that trap, well then guess what? You're going to be where, where Julie is.
1: Yeah. So Julie, I'm going to make a few recommendations yeah. for you because we've identified what the problem is and what you may have not identified when Julia said media, maybe she meant social media, but then she's all of a sudden realizing like, Oh no, it's also the multimedia or it's the news media. Uh, there are all these different aspects that are really just distractions mm-hmm. because she said, is either not interesting or it's not helpful for -hmm. her. her. And I think that's important to recognize. If it is not helpful, if it's not useful in some way, then maybe you're being used. And so how do we get out of that? Well, we need to do a bit of a a digital decluttering, so to speak. You've
2: got to set boundaries.
1: Yeah. So the first thing I'll recommend is there's a great book by our friend Cal Newport. It's called Digital Minimalism. He has a 30-day digital decluttering experiment. It's not just a digital detox, but it is truly decluttering your digital life and slowly repopulating it in a very intentional way and that means getting rid of social media on your phone that's one of the first most helpful things that you can do get the social media apps off your phone and get the you- news apps off your phone absolutely get the news apps because you don't need that breaking news you don't need access to that right away and then you can start reclaiming your phone for well what you maybe intended to use it for in the first place gps yeah. text messages maybe even phone calls What? (laughs) podcast? That is so old school, yeah.
0: If you want to share Encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they're not alone in this journey of self-discovery, you can visit Encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you, fill your mind with content that adds value to your life, nourishes your soul, and pushes the limits of your thinking so that you can grow in a more positive direction. Seek light for ultimate growth. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. Someone through until the path was clear. That's when I found you. How I wound up here.